0: Link building is hard. There is no way around it. One of the most time-sucking sub-activities of link building is finding the email address of your prospects. Luckily for you, we have wasted hundreds of our own hours thinking and experimenting on what the best way to do this as efficiently as possible is, so you don't have to nerd it out yourself. In this episode, we are sharing the tactics we use in real life to find those damn emails. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business and finally live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gayle and Mark. Hey guys,
0: welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast today. I'm back with Mark after an interview with Ben. How's it going, Mark? Good. Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> Can, yeah, I guess we talked three times today already. So, But this is the first time for the people who are listening. Anyway, today's topic is how to find the emails. How do you find these freaking emails for link building? Because it's just like so annoying. You'd think that, that that's like the most simple thing to do. You'd think that, like, oh, it's easy. Like, come on. Like if you're building a website, you're giving away for people to contact you. Until you actually try to run an outreach campaign and check hundreds of websites. It's like, uh, I think one of our link builders, like when he first started, he was like, when I was asking him how it's going after like two days, he was like, oh, I'm losing faith in humanity. Just because <laughs> finding emails, which seems so obvious, is actually really not an easy thing to do. If you've never done it yourself, I suggest you try it over like 20 sites, pick 20 random sites. If you can find a contact email for all of them and you need that email to essentially send a pitch for your link building, then you're lucky. But it's it's pretty complicated. So I'll let you just <laughs> take it over and explain to people why people want to find these contact details in the first place.
1: Yeah, so before we get into the actual tactics, it's important to think why might you want someone's contact info. Obviously, if you're doing some kind of white hat link building, guest posting, skyscraper, broken link building, there are others as well. Emailing someone, getting in their inbox is likely the best way to elicit a response. Those kind of contact forms on the contact page, I'm often kind of doubt whether anyone reads them on, on some sites. I know on ours, do do ours, I don't personally know, but our support team does because we do have like support queries and stuff come in there mixed in with guest posting requests and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, I will say that the people who email me with guest posting requests, I at least read them. I don't necessarily respond to all of them, but I at least read them. So that in there is kind of proof that finding an email address is better than using a a contact form for the most part. I think in some smaller sites as well, people put the contact form and then sometimes it's completely broken. Sometimes they just don't bother reading it or they don't have the proper forwarding and stuff set up.
0: I would say one thing though, I would say the value of an email address increases as it gets more difficult to find it. So my email has been dropped in many places and I I get literally like 10 pitches per day on like guest posting on a Tory hacker, stuff like that, et cetera, like getting a link, like skyscraper stuff, et cetera. And the truth is, like I'm not replying to any of them and I'm barely reading. Like I know the subject lines that to be frank, like, given the amount that I receive, I just don't consider any at this point. And for you, I think it's a bit different because your email is a little bit less public. But like mine was like the email for the email address, et cetera. So like
1: it's yeah. everywhere.
0: And so I would say that if you ever struggle in finding an email, Consider that everyone else is struggling to find that email. And if you're willing to go the extra mile and use a lot of, like, use a lot of the tactics we're going to talk about in this episode to find that email, you will be one of the few that actually reaches that person and. Like that's a perfect case. Like you send me a pitch, I probably won't read it. You send a pitch to Mark, he will probably read it. Why? Because he probably receives a bit less because his email is less public.
1: So, By the way, um, don't send me pitches, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think I think yeah. it's important to say that. Like it's like there's, there's increased value in difficulty. Like it almost pays off for the difficult, like the extra time you're putting in because your chances of success are higher as you're struggling to get emails.
1: It's not just though for link building. There are many other kind of less or non seo reasons why you might want to contact someone uh, and you might need their email address to do so for example you might want to pitch them some kind of business collaboration idea partnership you may have some kind of idea to work on there you may be let's say a writer and you want to write for them as not as a guest poster or anything, but just you know trying to find a job you might want to contact them that way you may want to recruit them as an affiliate or you may want to initiate some kind of legal proceedings against them because they are cyber squatting on some kind of domain which you may you, or may you not. You mean they're to buying? A, they're
0: buying a domain that pretends to be us. That's what you mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine anyone doing that. You know? no, I can't. I can't.
0: I can't imagine. Like that would be really stupid and lame. But uh, like, I yeah. don't know if you ever does that? But man. it happens. There you go. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so that's why you want to find the email now. As we said, uh, the, one of the problems with this is uh, some people, some email addresses just get lot. and then as a result, people make it harder to contact them. I can't anymore because it's like it's mentioned in places that I can't remove. But that's why, like you know, you'd think that most websites would just put an email address, but the reason they don't is not because they're idiot, but rather because it, they don't want to receive that many emails, and they almost want you to put the work in to find that email, so that. You know, they get less people pitching them stuff. So that's... It's, it's
1: it's it's essentially like a, an arms race, right? You have the people trying to find emails, and then you have the people trying to stop people finding their emails. And the better people get at finding emails, the better the email owners have to get at protecting or hiding or obfuscating their their emails.
0: Yeah. So that that's why, like, that means that as time passes and as more and more people do outreach, which is the case. Finding emails is going to become more and more challenging. And so a lot of the stuff we're going to share now is like, it's like we're going to talk about the obvious ones, but there's there's some less obvious ones that are not yet used and abused and allow you to find a lot of emails that people don't find by default. So what I suggest is that we jump directly into the first point.
1: The first one, and this is super obvious, by the way, where we ordered this list in the kind of, the process which we would follow when trying to find some trying to identify an individual's email so the first place you would obviously check is their their website right now we we already said that a lot of people don't have their email address on the website and they're using contact forms and and that kind of thing instead but it's always worth checking because i would say i don't know 10 percent 15 percent will have it in one of these places so it's either going to be somewhere in the homepage, the about page, the contact page, somewhere in the sidebar, which may not be in the homepage, but maybe in a blog post or somewhere in the footer, which is probably on any page. A very quick way of, of looking for an email address, control F or command F on Mac, and then search for the at symbol as in the middle, the thing that's in the middle of someone's email address, and then look that way. In some cases, the that might not work because they've put an image version of the text instead of the actual email as a way of protecting against scrapers. Scrapers, yeah. Yeah, scrapers, there are are many tools out there. Scrapebox is is one, but there are are tons of automated scrapers. I haven't used it personally, URL Profiler, but there are really like massive spam factories out there that they're just trying to find as many email addresses as possible by pulling all the text out of a a page and like processing it, looking for email addresses, then just adding it to some huge database that they can, I don't really know what they do with it, but like send kind of spammy offers or something like that too. So anyway, the first place to start is, is these places. You may be saying, okay, Captain Obvious, if I, if I needed to, if I wanted to find that, I wouldn't need to listen to this podcast. And it's a fair assumption, but we're starting from the beginning here and giving you, giving you the absolute basics. So that's step one. Anything to add to that, by the way?
0: No, not really. I, I guess if people found the podcast, they probably can find the contact page. Right. <laughs> so, so my assumption is most people can figure that out.
1: Yeah, I think you're correct there. So point number two, look in the privacy policy most sites out there will have a privacy policy i believe there's some kind of seo value in doing that google thinks it's a little bit more trustworthy any proper business will have a privacy policy on their on their site just because you kind of have to especially in this era of gdpr and crazy legislation like that within the privacy policy you are required to put contact details for your site the vast majority of people will put some kind of email address in there. Now, you, what often happens is that people create the privacy policy earlier on when they're building the website, and they haven't been spammed to death. So they kind of forget, they're not too conscious of uh, hiding their actual email. So they'll put their, their email in there. And you can use that to uh, to find their email very quickly and email them. Again, a lot of people are putting images of their email. So like, taking a screenshot of the text and putting that image there instead of the actual text of the email itself to sort of counteract scrapers as well. So you, you, the control F tactic might not always work there. Or but... they just
0: put a non-monitored email as well. Like a lot of people, you know, they do it as after they put the website up and they just put the default admin at or something like an email that they never check.
1: I find that a lot of companies, though, they'll they'll put like their support department or, or something like that. If anyone's putting it, I think you legally have to be able to be contacted that way through it in case anyone has some kind of privacy concern. I don't think that happens very often, but either way is a, a good place to check second on the list in the privacy policy. Uh, the third cool. place I would look would be on social media. And you may think, oh, that's that's useless. I I can't find their email address from, from social media. No one's that dumb. Well, if you go to a website's Facebook page, that's the website of the page, not the page owner. The, the Facebook page of the website, not the the individual, and then go to the about page. So like Facebook.com forward slash authority hacker slash about. The about tab, yeah, that's the one. Then an incredible number of people have their emails in there, and you, you can just use it straight away. Like that is the most common way we find people's email addresses when we're we're manually hunting for
0: One it. more thing uh, I've I want to say about this is sometimes, even often, it's worth just contacting people via the Facebook page because Facebook incentivizes people to reply. You know, they put like our oh, super fast reply and stuff like this, and. Especially for like bigger pages, they kind of care about this status of like getting this green tick that they reply fast. Mm-hmm. And so they have to reply, basically. <laughs> Otherwise it kills their average. Your chances of getting a reply by just pressing the message button on the Facebook page is especially for like things like content promotion or even skyscraper, you can try. It's kind of like a channel that is not used by link builders too much, but I've had decent success with it when I've done it manually. You know, the kind of pages where They would never reply to your emails, you know, like the bigger ones, but Mm -hmm. they don't want to kill the replay rate on Facebook. At least you get a reply, you know?
1: Yeah. The actual about tab in, in the, on the Facebook page itself, it's been so successful for us that we actually tried, we didn't manage to make it work, but we tried experimenting with some way to kind of scrape the Facebook page and then automatically add slash about to it and then scrape that page for an email address. We couldn't make that work for various technical reasons, but there's probably someone smarter than me would probably be able to figure that out. Uh, it's it's such a reliable source that, that I think it's, it's well worthwhile. Yeah, people
0: don't put fake emails there as well.
1: Yeah, so. I, I think the reason for that is similar to the privacy policy. Like People set up their Facebook page generally when their business is new, right? And they don't think about being spammed. They don't care so much at the time. And because not that many people are aware that the email address is here, they're not getting hammered and they they haven't realized that and it's still there. So,
0: Yeah, it works pretty well. I would also say that so on YouTube, when you set up your profile, you actually have an option to put your email address and it's kind of like hidden. You need to like press a button when you go on the about tab of any YouTube channel. It just displays the email so you can't scrape it. But a lot of creators put emails for like uh, advertising inquiries and stuff like that. And you can use that to contact people. So that's a good one. And also Twitter and Instagram bios as well. This is more for like influencers. They will have kind of like, you know, advertise with us and then give their email and you can contact them and basically they're like content services for them. So like that's one way of getting email from social media. But the YouTube about tab has very often has emails actually. Just nobody ever reads the tab of the about tab on YouTube, but it's quite useful for average.
1: Yeah, I think some people have it on LinkedIn as well, though I think that was, that did get scraped a lot. So they de- yeah. disabled it automatically or disabled I'm pretty it sure that's how Hunter
0: now. started. I'm pretty sure Hunter was just a leader. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Hunter in, in a <laughs> bit. <But laughs> the next one on our list is in the domain Whois. So the Whois record is a, when you buy a domain, you have to provide certain contact information. You have to specify a registrant, an admin, and a technical contact. I don't really know why these three things are done the way they are, but it's just the way the world works. And most people, when they're buying a domain, it's it's their own contact information for all three. Now, back in the day, that was great because you could just go on any Whois lookup service such as name.com slash Whois dash lookup or just Google Whois domain and there's dozens of search engines that will allow you to do this. And you just put in any domain name and it will give you these three contact information, name, address, email, and phone number often as well. But early on, that was a great way to find people's contact information, people's email address. But of course, the spammers figured that out quite early on. It's an easy thing to scrape. So they started to scrape it. And if you've ever bought a domain in the last few years and forgotten to add Guard or some kind of Whois Privacy to it, which some registrars do that automatically now, but there, are, there, I think there are some who don't. If you've ever done that, as Gail once did for a new site, and my contact info was on it, I got probably about 20 or so calls from, I think most of them were Indian web design companies trying to sell me on some kind of web design package for, for my new website. Didn't really require their services. I got a bunch of emails as well. Didn't really require their services, but there you go. So, this WhoisGuard thing has kind of added a level of privacy to it. So, you can't just go on there and find someone's email address. What it does, though, is it will give a long, convoluted, kind of letters and numbers mixed up email address. So, it'll be like ABZ123456789, blah, 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 dot protect at WhoisGuard.com. And the, the first string of characters Uh, you you can often have you know 20 or 30 characters in there and they're really smart they put an image they don't put the actual text so you can't just highlight it all and copy paste it i actually ran a test where i I emailed our own one on authority hacker uh, just before this podcast and gail received it no problem so it does work i believe they have some kind of filtering in there Uh, i'm not quite sure how they kind of protect you from spammers or whatever but Either way, if you email that address, it's going to get through to the the owner. We had a legal issue once where someone used that to, to contact us for for one of our sites. For sure it works. The issue with it is it's a bitch to type it in. You have to because there's like capitals and lowercase and numbers and letters. And it's, it's just I did it's it. It's like these
0: keyboard it, typing tests, you know, like if you can actually type properly.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I did that test earlier, I made two mistakes and I like double checked it. So that's a bit annoying, but you can use some any kind of optical character recognition technology to get around that. There's a really good Chrome extension called Copyfish. It's free. There are dozens other. So if you're listening to this and Copyfish is gone or not around, just search for Chrome OCR extension. And then you, it, what Copyfish allows you to do is just drag like a square. You click the button and drag a square around the image and it will kind of scan it and then translate that into actual text and you you can just highlight the text and copy it and then use that as, as the the email. There are probably some easier ways to do this at scale and stuff as well, but I, I haven't experimented with anything like that. The one thing I will say about this is if you're emailing someone at that address, it's they're going to know because it, they're going to see the to field with with that information in it. So they're going to know that's how you contacted them. I mean, they're...
0: most people don't even know what's going on when they receive that email, you know?
1: Sure. I think maybe website, What <laughs> most website owners are a little bit more clued up than most people, though. The only thing I would say is that you should try and personalize your email as much as possible if you're doing something like that. So put their name at the start so, you know, so they know it's not just a random someone trying to sell them SEO or something. Cool. The next one
0: is actually using a tool that guesses the email. How do I do that?
1: So there are a number of tools out there. A good example would be find that dot email. And the way it works is it's essentially an email verification service. Uh, I don't know the technical way that it manages to do this. But a lot of people who have big email lists will, and maybe they're moving from different providers, or they've bought a list from someone else, they will run it through a service like this that verifies that all those emails are legit, are are deliverable. There's some kind of technical way that they can do that by like checking information on the domain. And it's not like 100% accurate, but it's pretty good. Anyway, they've utilized this technology with a kind of a bit of guesswork so they've come they combine a bit of guesswork with this technology to allow you to enter so if you know someone's name their first name and the last name and you know the domain then you can put that information into service like find that email and it will come up with every possible permutation of someone's name so let's say it was john doe at and the domain was authority hacker then most likely the email would be something like John at AuthorityHacker, John.do authority hacker, or jd authorityhacker.com. Uh, and it has a bunch of other ones as well in its, its database that it checks by default. And then it verify, it tries to verify all of these email addresses. And the strongest hit that comes back is likely to be that person's email address. So it's not foolproof. Some people have very odd email addresses, but the vast majority of people, you'll be able to find their their email in this way, which is really cool. The one downside, obviously, you need to know their full name. So that could be a potential block in the road here. Uh,
0: No, most of the time, it's not that hard. I mean, yeah, I guess. Usually, when you Google the first name and the site, like if I don't know the last name of someone, I'll just Google the website and uh, the first name and you know, something's going to pop up like their LinkedIn profile or whatever. Uh, yeah. Or whatever you social can... media and it's going to give you the last name, you know?
1: Yeah, you can usually find that. And again, things like privacy policy, about page, or if someone's blog posts and they might have like an author page or an author bio at the top or bottom, it'll Twitter be profiles there. and separate. Yeah, social media is a really good one. I think if if they have like a Facebook page or a Facebook group, especially, you can look for admins of that group Maybe you can look for admins of that page. I'm not sure if that's still a possibility. And you can sort of find their, their name name there. But in my experience, most people will will publicly put their first and last name kind of out there. So shouldn't be too tricky.
0: Cool. The next one is the best one.
1: Yeah. So I if for whatever reason you cannot find someone's first or last name, then there are other services out there which kind of do the same thing, In fact, they don't do the same thing at all. They're fundamentally structured in a different way, but they allow you to, they're like databases. So they allow you to put in the URL only, and then it will spit out a list of domain, uh, sorry, of email addresses that this tool has identified, which is associated with that domain. The most popular, and if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you probably use it or have used it yourself, hunter.io. It's the most popular, and I think at the moment the best one still. I'm not quite sure did how you they passed po- last time. Like it was, it was a while ago it. now. It was about yeah, it was about eighteen months or so ago. The last time I tested it, okay, uh, against the competitors. So, uh, if you have
0: any tool that you think can compete, please send it to us, and we'll check it out.
1: Yeah, I believe Hunter. I'm, I'm not really sure how they got their data originally there's probably some kind of scraping involved in there, but I know they also released a number of Yesware type plugins, which would allow you to, they would like connect to your email address and allow you to monitor when email was being delivered and a bunch of free stuff like that. And as a, and from those plugins, they were also able to capture email address information. So I think that's how they, they kind of, or one of the ways in which they boosted their, the size of their database. It's it's kind
0: of interesting how these uh, free tools just power these paid tools behind. I mean, Ahrefs and Clickstream is basically the same way. Like, how the click data they get from search, etc. is from these crazy search bar that you install on your browser, etc. And just monitors people, etc. So it's kind of the same. It's kind of interesting to see the free economy behind the paid tools, actually.
1: I'm not really too sure the impact of GDPR on, on all that because I, I know that was like a big yeah th- that was potentially a big issue for those types of companies like like Hunter, but you know it's we're one year or so past the date of that and it still works the same. It still does everything you need it to. So yeah, Hunter's great. Uh, we've been using it for a long time. It's so handy because you can do it, it allows you to do things at scale, which most of the other tool most of the other methods they're more for very targeted approaches yeah with
0: with but hunter you can find a lot of the emails we use through hunter like, it's, yeah. like
1: that's one of the main
0: that's why i say it's the best one cuz it's like if you want to scale yeah look at this tool basically.
1: it's hunter is the 80/20 for finding emails right you find as many as you can with as little effort but Everyone else can do that as well. Remember, so if you want to, if you really want to go the extra mile and find those hard to find email addresses, then one of the other approaches is probably going to be be better for you. Yeah, uh, with with Hunter and actually with find that email, you, you do get fifty free credits per month. So if you're just doing this on a small scale, then it's essentially free. It's perfect. If you want to scale it further, then you obviously have to pay the the pricing plans. I think they start at about 50 bucks, 50 euros, something like that, and, and go up from there. But the thing with Hunter and the paid plans is it allows you to input a CSV with a big list of domain names, and then it will output the email addresses that it can find for each domain. Now, anyone who does link building can automatically understand how powerful that can be because you can really scale your email finding by this tool. There still is another step and you have to select which email to choose. If there are more than one, I know some people. who we should just talk
0: about this now, actually, we should just talk like, we want to talk about this on like, how do you pick the right email when you get multiple emails per website?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple approaches there. I know a lot of people who just actually send e- emails to them all and like try oh, and kind of, them. it's a bit kind of spammy that we d- we don't like to do that. I, generally, it's better to go with, for link building, this is, it's better to go with a personal email rather than a generic. So email, I don't know, joe at domain.com as opposed to admin or info at domain.com. That tends to be more likely to get a response from the, the personal one. If you're doing link building, guest posting, skyscraper, that kind of stuff, then usually emailing an editor, content manager, someone in, in that kind of department, if you can identify the their job title, which Hunter actually does as well. It, I think it connects with LinkedIn and tries to tries to pull their job title that way. I think that's how they do it anyway. They don't always have job titles for everyone, but it's, it's very handy when they do. So that's that's a good approach. I would say avoid any kind of sales type email because the sales department don't care. They're not going to, they're not going to help they're you. they only on commission. So. But yeah. like,
0: they also, a uh, hunter just tells you if it's a generic or personal email as well. So you can already, I would filter out most generics and just focus on the personal ones.
1: Yeah. The way it displays it in the hunter output when you're doing a bulk is very good as well, because each of these fields is like a, it's like a column in, the CSV, so you can filter out very, very easily. So that's that's definitely a big, big plus for Hunter there. I would also say that for smaller sites, you know, contacting the the CEO or whoever is the owner is, is good. But for bigger sites, that's generally those people don't have so much time, so they're not going to not going to listen to you. As Gail is a prime example of. Uh, <laughs> so we're not so. that big, but uh,
0: I just have a. <laughs> I'm just French, you know.
1: <laughs> so, unless you have some kind of strategy to really make a big impression on the CEO, then it's just best to avoid those people and go for, you know, more middle management who are actually working in the day to day thick of things with editing content and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Let's jump on the next one. Do you have anything else to say about Hunter?
1: No, that's
0: it. Yeah, there's also a lot of like other tools like uh Snovio, etc. But as we mentioned, we've tried uh, most of them a while ago, and by far Hunter was the best one. That's why it's the one we recommend. Okay,
1: I, I just uh, want to say something about Snovio or Snov.io, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, they had an app deal a while back where I think it was Lifetime where you got a. it was yeah, very good value or it appeared to be very good ba- value for what it is. The issue with Snovio was the quality of the data was really poor. I had a really good example. Uh, I forget the domain, but if you put it in Snovio, uh, there's like 10 different emails that come up all for the same person, like john.roberts, j.roberts, j.r, johnjroberts at domain.com for all of them. Someone's not going to have all those email addresses, like one person for on their, on their domain. Whereas Hunter, it found the correct one. Uh, and it only displayed that one. I think you kind of get what you pay for with these these tools to, to a certain extent, at least. I mean, I'm definitely open for trying new ones that, that get released, but yeah, Hunter seems to be the winner there.
0: That's the thing as well. If you send a lot of emails to addresses that don't exist you're essentially going to be flagged as a spammer and then your other emails will not deliver nearly as well to the point where it's going to be very difficult for you to reach the inbox of people you're emailing. So if you're trying to, to cheapen out your tools and you know, use these kind of like lower quality tools, in the end, it's actually going to hurt you and probably cost you more because you're going to have to use more credits from these tools and to just get the same amount of links because you just won't reach the inbox nearly as much. You know? so yeah, I would say don't cheap it out.
1: W- with deliverability, it's a bit of an art form kind of like how SEO is really. No one's exactly quite sure what the best strategy for, for each, like, you know, warming up inboxes and, and all that stuff is. But I think it's pretty much universally agreed on that. If you have delivered emails and if those get opened and especially responded to, those kind of signals are very positive for whomever is monitoring your and controlling how much your email is going to be, be delivered. So for that reason, having quality data is super important and this is especially true if you have like a new domain or you're kind of trying to warm up your your outreach for a domain you haven't done link building for
0: so yeah yeah. you can really shoot yourself in the foot at the beginning so yeah okay what is the next tactic
1: okay so number six and this might be like again super obvious but hardly anyone does it ask for it so, this is essentially turning it into a two step approach. If you don't have the contact info, reach out to them in some other way and ask for it. That could be contact form. Yeah, you could tweet at them. You could email. This is when you definitely can email their support or even their affiliate team. Uh, you can contact them directly on LinkedIn. Is it in message or whatever it's called? Again, you can contact them directly on Facebook, either to their page or if you can find them a personal message, though that will go to their other inbox i think they still get notified of it in, in most cases and you can can sometimes get it there but taking the time to ask someone for their email address uh, getting it it works plain and simple just nobody does it because it kind of disjoints their the link building process in in a way and there's a little it's a little bit more um slow to actually the time to acquire the email is much slower than a, i mean i
0: think if i think you could automate it actually if you uh Scraping for Twitter links, for example, and just mm-hmm. automating the tweets. I think it, to some extent it can be somewhat automated. It's a yeah, I mean, you have to be careful because right.
1: then your Twitter feed is just yeah. all all asking people for their email addresses and that kind of thing. And oh, What
0: you need to do is you need to hack the Twitter accounts and do it from random people. <laughs> no, okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> We're living up to the name Authority Hacker right there. Okay. <laughs> okay. The other way I would say, and I, like n- really nobody does this, is to call them and ask for it. Often businesses will have phone numbers displayed on the website, customer support, some phone number somewhere. If you can find that, then call them and ask them for their, their contact information. Yeah, no Kevin, does
0: that. Kevin Espiritu, who we had on the podcast, he does that actually for his link building. He actually, when there's a phone number, he calls because he said he gets like, response rate versus, you know, 5% or something. So yeah,
1: calling someone is already establishing the relationship. Like you probably chat with them for even if it's just 20 seconds or so, they'll remember you, they're not gonna, and you're gonna stand out against the 12 other people that have already emailed them asking for them to asking them today to add a link to a blog post because it's great new and updated. So yeah, great, great tactic. Did Kevin say, yeah. like, how how often or, like, what kind of results he had with it? He
0: didn't do a lot, but he said he got great results. I mean, Kevin's like, you should if people want to hear about this kind of, like, more sniper approach, you should listen to a podcast with Kevin because he was even explaining that he got his book deal from doing one of these approaches, actually. And that's how he got introduced to, like, a blogger that had a publisher. He was introduced to the publisher, and eventually, like, he just released his book right now. So it's... Yeah, I don't think he does it very often because it takes time. But, you know, when he's trying to do link building, he just like doesn't mind. He just goes and calls if you need cuz like most online marketers are not willing to do that. So, it gives yeah. you an edge usually.
1: Like 99.9% of marketers will of online marketers will never call someone. So, if you if you can do that, I mean, it costs nothing on Skype or whatever these days. So, it's not really a cost thing. I I get that it takes a little bit of time, but I mean, how what what are we talking like 30 seconds, a minute for each one. I think it'd be worth it. But definitely yeah. something I would I mean, experiment with a bit more, actually.
0: I'm even thinking like maybe salespeople would be great link builders. You know, you can yeah. just hire some yeah. salespeople, just have them cold call companies to develop partnerships, quote unquote. But really, your end, your end goal is to get links, plus, you know, other stuff you can get out of it, you know.
1: Yeah, well, when you think about it as well, people, who are, cold, people are cold calling asking them for like money and to buy stuff all yeah. the time. So, f- for uh, someone who's good at doing that, to call them and ask for the email address for the contact information, yeah, easy, yeah. no problem, yeah. But that, that's what we
0: used to do when we had the agency, right? That's how I developed outreach. I was to get customers actually, uh-huh. and uh, you know, like I scraped like every city in the US, and I appended like SEO, web design, etc., and tried to essentially get outsourced work from agencies. And so the first version of our link building outreach processes. At the time when I was running it, was literally to ask for money. So when we switched to like asking for links for it, it was it was like incredibly easy and felt so. Uh, yeah, people like I think a lot of link builders are uh, people are intimidated by link building. Imagine if you call people and you're asking them for money. Well, that's the job of millions of people around the world. So yeah. really, getting links is not that difficult.
1: You can realistically hire people to do this on Upwork for for not very much money, and I would guess. 15 bucks an hour would cover someone pretty good to, to yeah. do this. So.
0: I actually think we should try that. We should yeah, try I, to hire someone I definitely want to, wanna,
1: to definitely experiment uh, with this, actually.
0: I like how these podcasts is just becoming a brainstorming session right now.
1: <laughs> I guess you do have to be a little bit cautious. You're not just hiring some random person with no quality control who's be, what could be, go wrong? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that could go wrong there. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to you with a podcast once we've done this a bit. I do know
0: why you should not do it, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That's probably the podcast after the one where we
0: say we reopen an office or something. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, let's <laughs> so, go to the next point.
1: Okay. So, number eight is ask for an intro from a mutual friend. Instead of asking the person directly for the contact info, try and find mutual friends. There are obviously two great websites which facebook being the most obvious one but linkedin as well really really good for identifying mutual friends you you have even if you're not connected with someone on either of the platforms it'll show you who the mutual friends are most of the time unless they have uber privacy settings on and you can ideally just reach out to the this mutual friend you know and ask for the introduction that's the the best strategy if they're not willing to introduce you because they don't know you or they're just some random that you added on linkedin and you don't really know them then maybe you ask for the contact info and they, they might be more willing to to give that out but but one thing about this is that having someone else introduce you it automatically kind of raises your i guess what's the word like social is it approval or not what's the word
0: yeah, people will reply because essentially they don't want to, like, get the other person to not like them anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just they socially obligated to reply.
1: It's, it's also like, if you meet a random stranger, you're kind of naturally a little bit suspicious of them. But if that person's with your best friend, then automatically, without them saying a word, your view of them is automatically increased just because they can kind of be associated with that person whom you already know. Asking for the introduction in, in link building is a, is a huge, huge way to get, not only to get their contact info, but to get a response from them once you have it. Uh, so definitely would recommend that. If you're looking to identify, like find their personal social profile, on LinkedIn, it's super easy because you can just search for like the company and search for them. A lot of people have privacy settings and stuff on, on Facebook. It's harder to search. And there's just so many people on Facebook. If they have a common name, it can be a little bit challenging to to find. But again, look at their Facebook page and any groups that they, they run and look for admins of the page, admins of the group. And you can often find their profile that way. Plus some people just have a more public presence on Facebook. Like L. What is the next one?
0: Oh, um, it's just using influencer search engines. There's a lot more of these coming out these days. So it's funny because there's like influencer marketing that is completely ignored by SEO people. It's like this massive thing happening in terms of marketing these days, like brands want to work with influencers, etc. And as a result, a lot of tools are developed for brands to contact these influencers. It's like these people, they have websites and they can link to you as well. Using these tools that are not really catered to SEO people, but rather to the influencer marketing market, which is a very different segment from what you and I and everyone, most people that see this podcast are catering for, we'll give you contacts to people that we will not find through SEO tools. So for example, we found one called getshout.io that gives you email and just gives you a bunch of like social data, like number of followers and niches therein, et etc. And uh, most of these people have websites and it gives you the email as well. And you can literally just export and email these people. And there's a bunch. I mean, BuzzStream has an influencer research. There's a few others that we're testing. We'll probably mention them later after we test them. But all I'm saying is look into the influencer marketing sphere and especially look for the tools for influencer marketing because it's going to give you very, very different prospects. And usually people with very clean sites, people who don't do SEO, et cetera, but get a lot of links. And these are, these are the best things you can get to your website. Side, side stepping into PR as well is a good one. Uh, that's that's the two areas that I'm looking at right now is PR and influencer marketing. These segments give you access to clean sites that are not touched by SEOs.
1: A lot of people, when they hear the words PR or digital PR and influencer marketing, they think of this as something very different to link building. But there's a big overlap between the three of these. And inf- when I heard the word influencer My initial reaction used to be, oh, that's someone with like eight million Facebook followers or something like that.
0: Instagram, probably. Yeah, you know,
1: some model with five hundred k Instagram, yeah, followers, something like that. But really, it goes down much, much lower to you know someone with three thousand followers, and you know, there's there's much lower level people who you can you can work with. Uh, What I will say with influencers is. In most cases, unless you can offer them, you know, your product for free or something like that, then most cases you have to pay to work with them. But for the lower level people, I, it's not really that much.
0: Yeah. So it, it's kind of like an interesting source of links and really somewhere where SEOs are not. And usually where SEOs are not, is usually much cleaner in terms of links. Yeah. Digital PR and influencer marketing. Uh, I gave you some examples of tools, etc. So I would check these out. And That's basically it. We ran out of uh, all the tactics we wanted to talk about. So any final words of wisdom, Mark?
1: No, just if you are kind of trying to automate this in any kind of way, just be conscious, I think, of the data quality that you're going to, to get with it. I mentioned when we were looking at the Facebook About page that when we tried to work with scrapers and stuff to do this automatically, one of the big problems that we had was that it was finding other people's facebook pages because it was mentioned on, on the websites we were looking at in different places and that was kind of distorting who we were at, trying to find the about tab and then the email address subsequently from like the wrong people and that was <laughs> that was a problem it's it's difficult to solve but it's something that kind of happens a lot when you try and do these kind of smart solutions to semi automate or automate fully automate some of the, the, the tactics here. So just be very cautious of, of data quality if, you, if you're if you doing any kind of automation. Cool. Well, thanks
0: for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next ones. And if you enjoyed it, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you're listening to the podcast. Always helps. And by the way, we are also on Spotify now. So if you're using Spotify, you can subscribe to the podcast there. And then you don't really need to use any other player. So That's basically it. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you next week. Have a good week.
1: Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.